Howdy friends, I'm Molly, your host today, and would love to welcome you back to the No Boundaries International podcast. So as a reminder, this podcast is meant to be used as a tool to help equip you in your walk in the areas of restoration, training, and outreach. So as per usual, we will be doing this by using a combination of first exploring biblical principles and then also taking a closer look at concepts found from our Journey of Restoration CPR style e-course. And then we'll have tons and tons and tons of discussions surrounding what it truly means to follow Jesus in these areas. So I'm very excited, which, you know, isn't a shock um, because in today's episode, We're going to be sitting down not only with our co-founder and vice president, Sandy Orchard. Hello. But we're also going to have joining us is Sally Wallace. We're so excited. So a little bit of background for Sally is Sally is the head of the women's uh, ministry at St. Andrew's Church in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Which would account for a slight, tiny little accent. My drawl. Yeah, her southern drawl. So we've had the opportunity to work with Sally for maybe almost a year now, and she truly is probably one of the most brilliant people that I've ever met in my life. So she's an attorney, and she's practiced law, and then worked at a high school, also teaching English and law. Yeah, which correct? One, which one do you think was harder, the practicing law or the teaching teenagers? Oh, without exception, teaching teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> And so she did those things for several years before transitioning into full-time ministry. So our other co-founder, Dr. Lori, um, had the opportunity to speak at one of Sally's conferences around the end of last year. It was so good. It was so good. The power of the Holy Spirit there was incredible. It was so fun. And I know, like, I just know what it did for our team. And then what we got to witness there was absolutely wild. Mm -hmm. So these conferences are huge. Huge and have seriously impacted thousands and thousands and thousands of women over the last six years under Sally's leadership. So today, what we want then is we really want Sally to unpack leadership, but f- coming from a place of identity and why specifically the church needs leaders who know who they are and who are fully functioning in their God-given role in the kingdom of heaven. But I think before we get just dumped right in off the deep end. Sally, will you just tell us a little bit about you? Like, what's your life look like? Well, I was trying to think what the best way to show our listeners who I am without seeing me. So I think you would best describe me as a certified beach bum. And now (laughs) I looked it up and someone who's a an addict to the ocean is called a thalassophile. So I will call myself a the lassophile. That's a lot of letters. Should we all say that? The, the lassophile. <laughs> and so my husband and I live in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, right where the U.S. meets the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. And that's like a, is that a suburb of Charleston? It is. Okay. It's a suburb of Charleston. Charleston. Charlestonians like to say it's where the Cooper River and the Wanda River meet to form the Atlantic Ocean. Oh. I'll tell you a little bit about <laughs> our, our feelings about Charleston. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we have... Four kids, three dogs. Our house is off the rails insane. But my last kiddo just graduated and Aww. is prepping to leave home. So things are very quiet. So I'm researching how to become an actual professional thalassophile. <laughs> 
But I'm just kidding. I'll never leave my job, which is the best job on earth because I get to help people and see them that's discover at, at St. Andrews. At Saint Andrews yeah. Discover the power and presence of Jesus. That's always fun. Yeah. Yeah. Which and is not even a job. It's so fun. Even only knowing you for such a short amount of time. I mean, it doesn't matter where we go. That's exactly what you bring. Like, I mean, it's oh. just what you carry. Talk about someone walking in their identity in leadership. Like, that's what you bring. So I, I do love some Jesus. We're very excited to have you. And so, just just uh, before we plunge into this, like, I know we're talking about leadership stuff. And I just I want to take the scariness out of for like the listeners who might be thinking about leadership stuff, take the scariness out of um, like, who is a leader in the church? Who would you define that as? Um, well, I, I like to parse it out because we're all uh, a, a collection of priests. You know, the Bible says that if you are in Christ, you're a new creation and you we are the priesthood of believers. So we're all leaders in a technical sense. Yeah. When I'm talking about our um, leaders maybe out front in the church okay. or that might be relied upon for developing discipleship programs or curriculums or just really shepherding others, yeah, I guess okay. is my kind of long but short definition of a I church that's leader. A great explanation because I just wanted to put a little disclaimer out there in case somebody thinks, well, I'm, I'm not really a leader. I don't, and there's, I mean, there's so much to learn, you know. Right. So I think there's definitely, uh, you know, what we're going to discuss today is uh, going to be applicable to a lot of people. Yes, I agree. And I think that, you know, when I taught school, I, I feel like I was a Christian leader there because there were not a ton of Christians there. And I was shepherding my students and fellow teachers. And um, and we really are all called, if we're sharing our faith, yeah, to, to help others. And so that, in its basic sense, is a leadership role. That sounds good. Yeah. yeah. That was a great question, Sandy. So then... Let's just kind of jump right in there. <laughs> so, Sally, go ahead and just kick us off. Well, I, I think a good place to start is with a story I wrote probably about 15 years ago. I was uh, struggling with some hard things in my life. So, as one does, hopefully, I went to talk to a mental health professional who's a very dear friend of mine, and she encouraged me to find some creative ways to process my thoughts. So, I love to write, so I wrote a short story. And in the story, it was a fairy tale about a little girl who lived in a beautiful, thriving community and had the superpower to become anything to anyone. Yeah. So if someone wanted a cake, she became a baker. If someone wanted a doctor, she could heal them. So you get the drift. Yeah. And so after years of this, she looked around and saw that her whole kingdom had died, had become gray, lifeless, listless. And she found that because she had become everything to everyone, no one else had a pur purpose in her life Wow! or in the lives of others. So since living out our desti destiny is the ultimate form of worship, she had taken away everyone else's capacity for worship and joy because she had taken their purpose. Man. Yes. And so did that like feel relatable? I mean, that was like the... Well, I think that... Um, people pleasing is kind of a thing most people understand mm -hmm. and, um, as not a great thing anymore. Yeah. And 
this is another way of looking at the fruit of that kind of very toxic false self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if we're looking to encourage others to grow in their faith, to really connect and understand and hear the voice of God, we have to really support their capacity to worship. Yeah. And if worship is living out your destiny in God, then if we're doing their job, we're keeping them from worshiping. Mm-hmm. So, and that's a, that's a big problem. Yeah. <laughs> and I think especially there's a lot of Christian leaders who can feel like, I mean, I think we can all relate to this, but you see someone kind of stuck in a certain way and it's like, because you can see it for them or because you want something for them, that then you just decide to be it or do it or fix it Mm -hmm. whenever really is that what, what we're called to. I mean, Sandy, what we have the parts that we follow at no boundaries. Yeah. So one of the things that, that uh, kind of this, one of the sayings, I guess you might put it out there that, um, that we say a lot here at No Boundaries is that there's our part, there's God's part, and there's others' parts. And so um, those three different areas. And so uh, that, that really helps a lot because we have to realize that God definitely has his part. And, and it's a, a huge, supernatural, miraculous parts a lot of times um, that he can do amazing things that we can't. But a lot of times it's not that he waves the magic wand and, and that we are relieved of any responsibility or any kind of action, but really it's just, it's absolutely, it's really the opposite in that we have our part to do with that. And a lot of times we have to, it might be that we have to take the first step and then Jesus tells us what to do or God tells mm-hmm. us what to do, or, um, or maybe he tells us and then we do it. But we, we also have our part and a lot of times, and especially in a leadership capacity, um, we definitely have our part. And a lot of that is, is wrapped around obedience and, to, and mm. doing what he's telling us to do. And I think it's interesting in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, like in Exodus, uh, when they left the promised land and Moses had just died. And so now they have a new leader. And every city they encountered, every place that they went to in, as, in their trip to the promised land, God gave them a different uh plan of attack on how to take over that city. Yeah. It wasn't the cookie cutter thing. Now, I mean, God has uh, very clear and distinct um, values, uh, heart motives, uh, nature that you can read about in the Bible. And so he does stuff out of love and mercy and compassion, but like it, he's not a cookie cutter. And so mm-hmm. it's our responsibility. And one of our parts, like our part, God part, is the is to be in constant contact with them. Hey, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to know? Because it it may not be the same thing for every person. And the interesting thing is 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 here we are on Earth. We interact with people, and people are uh, like there's a billion variations on a human, and they're yeah. all going to have different ways of understanding. They're all going to have ways of interacting, and a lot of times that key in in engaging somebody and their heart will come from Jesus. It's yeah. Not, it's, a lot of times it's not going to be our brilliant selves that are coming up with, you know, however it is to interact with them. That's why we need to have a really good connection with Jesus and listen to what he says as we're doing it. Um, That way that we'll have the most impactful thing to be able to interact with that person in front of us. Yeah. And to be careful that we don't cross over that line of trying to do their part. Yes. Right. Because like back to Sally's story, like if we, if we combine those two things, like if we get into this idea that we have to be everything to everyone, 
then we don't give them the opportunity right. to do their part, mm-hmm. which God is going to show up in a different way, just like you were saying, Sandy, mm-hmm. for them that we might not even know about. And then we're taking away their encounter. Yeah, or we're true. taking away what God's trying to do in them because in the name of leadership, we've we've overstepped thinking that we need to be the ones that have any kind of control over over what God's doing in them. Mm-hmm. And that's just simply not true. Correct. And what we really don't want to do is take the place of God for some. Yeah, we don't want to be the and for them. And we can't always see God's plan for people. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember I was getting ready to do a talk for our women, and and I heard very clearly from him. Some of them don't know who they are. Wow. And and the only way for someone to know who they truly are, who they were created to be is through deep intimacy with the Father. And so if we're becoming someone's God, then they're not getting that and they can't find who they really are. Yeah. And so as a Christian leader, no matter what your platform or position or how much influence you have, our entire sum goal is to drive people to the power and presence of Jesus so Mm -hmm. that they can then live into their God given destiny. And then they can offer, because you the act of worship is the people living fully how they're fully created to be. Right. That St. Arrhenius uh, quote, the glory of God is man fully alive, is so beautiful because that mm. God has chosen us as his plan A. Yeah. Now, we can talk about why and the wisdom of that. <laughs> <laughs> on another five podcasts. And you kind of want to have that conversation <laughs> with God. Are you sure this is how you really want to do this? Right. Were you really thinking about that? So will you um, say the quote again? The glory of God is man fully alive. That's so good. Isn't that precious? And the way that God intended them to be created and, and to fulfill mm-hmm. that calling. Yeah. Right. That's, that's true. To be fully loved, you have to be fully known. And yeah. to be fully known, you have to be fully alive. You have to be, have access to everything and be healed and moving forward and yeah. all the things that God promises us in His kindness and love of us as, his, as the perfect Father. So. Yeah, that's so good. Which goes right into then Romans. Mm-hmm. What's the scripture in Romans? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That. So that's Romans 12, 1. It's in the NIV. But therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Mm. Is that not like that is it? That sounds like um, surrender. It does. It does sound It does sound like surrender. Mm-hmm. It which makes is, all of life worship, too. Yeah, which is a hard word for a lot of Americans. So, but then it would be, then if that's true, then if that's the spirit that's living inside of you that really has taken over, then once you've died to yourself, your dead body, your dead self and your dead sin, like that's all we really have to offer him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But then he fills us and then we can give everything back to him. Mm-hmm. Like yes, but filtered through our unique personality. Yeah. Yes. God did true. not create a billion Jesus identical robots mm-hmm. in terms of personality. Mm-hmm. That's where his his yeah. diversity is so beautiful, and we can love people different from us because it's all filtered through that that spark. He yeah. So us. I think too that on what you guys are kind of approaching is that as we surrender, it's not that 
I mean, we do lay it all out for Jesus and we give everything to him and surrender because he's the king and we're not. But at the same time, he's put gifts in us. He's put certain traits in us um, that are unique to us. And he wants those things to come out and he wants those things to glorify him and he wants those things to be able to help others. Mm-hmm. And so I think the the biggest part of the surrender thing is that it's it when, when you surrender that to Christ, you surrender all of yourself to Christ, it, it becomes a selfless thing. And so then you don't need the necessarily the person's approval or mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And so and that's how Jesus lived life. He lived it in a selfless way. And so if we're supposed to yes. be like Jesus, then then really we're supposed to be selfless. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, but carrying his heart at the same time. Carrying his heart, carrying the truth of um, his goodness, the mark he made, his sacrificial love. Mm-hmm. But all, again, in how he made each and every yes. one of us unique and different. Right. So, yeah. So then what does it look like, like, if when you're not living as a leader by the Spirit? You know, I've thought about this a lot because um, it's a tremendous responsibility to represent Christ to others. It's yeah. a privilege, but it's a responsibility that I think every Christian needs to wrestle with what that really looks like. Um, a really good description of it I heard in a, um, or I read in a book, I, books are my friends, by yeah. the way. So <laughs> I am reading a lot at once. And But one of my favorites is by Watchman Nee, and it's called The Spiritual Man. And in it, he describes um, the perfect order in which God created humans, which are soul, spirit, soul, and body. And a really good way of looking at how those, those roles parse out is in this kind of analogy I like to use about a homeowner renovating, renovating a house. A homeowner says, I want to have a new garage. I need a new bedroom, bathroom, what have you. And he hires a contractor. And that contractor has skills that the homeowner doesn't necessarily need to have because he's hired the contractor. Right. And the contractor then hires the workers who actually hammer the nails and put up the drywall. Um. Well, similarly, we operate this way. My spirit, communing with the spirit of God, is like the homeowner. We have the vision that is given to us from God. But my soul, like the contractor, is skilled and learned, but directed by the homeowner as to the Mm. vision of the building. That's the key. And my body is like the construction worker. I do the actual work of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And that's God's perfect exi- design. Our soul, our spirit communing with the Holy Spirit governs the soul, which governs the body. Mm. But we know we're not living in a perfectly renovated place. Right. So after the fall, that all got reversed. And the body, the workers with their desires, sinful impulse, selfishness, began rogue building. And the contractor who is to be leading starts covering it up, making all these false reasons for why these things are going so wrong. And sadly, the homeowner is dead because our spirit is dead until we find ourselves born again in Christ, until we choose him. But God, who in his mercy made this way for us, He said, when you're saved, your spirit reignites. So the homeowner rises again. And we are, for the rest of our lives, doing that work of putting things back in order, putting our our contractor under the governance of the spirit, 
our workers under the governance of the soul and our body in check. Yeah. And that's what orders everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you just have a whole bunch of rogue, rogue contractors just mm-hmm. doing whatever they want just because the body just feeding, you know, just feeding into the flesh. It is. That's it's the flesh. It's the desires of the body are are always going to be there. And, you know, being hungry isn't a sin, but everything needs to be directed by God, initiated by God. Mm-hmm. And I think in the church, particularly, hopefully we aren't running around celebrating sin. Yay, you know, right. I, I did this horrible thing. I think in the church, we know what sin is now, whether we can stop it is another to- podcast for another day. That's a mm-hmm. five-week podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I find in the church, what we see a lot more of is what I call soulish good works. Okay. Which is where our motives are impure and the reason we're doing something is not because we heard it from God, Mm -hmm. but because we want to um, self-promote or it just feels really good to follow rules, you know, whether or not they're, um, they're motivated by the love of God. Or we've always done it that way. We've always done it that way. And so what you see is uh, fruitless work. Yeah. Because it's not, it wasn't God's direction. Yeah. Now, the end goal might be the same as what God intended. You know, it's never wrong to feed orphans. Right. But the truth is, if our hearts aren't pure and we're not being guided by God, then we aren't living into the fullness of who he's called us to be. And then it doesn't count. Mm -hmm. I mean, kingdom, like eternally speaking. We're not building the kingdom he wants. We're building the kingdom we we want. Hmm. Right. So I know at No Boundaries, I mean, we talk a lot about, I mean, there are people who who come or want to help, but if it's from a place of need mm-hmm. in them. There's an so, agenda in there somewhere. Yes. Yeah. So like, I'm going to go minister to our homeless population, or I'm going to go minister to the hurting and the addicted because of some kind of empty need that mm-hmm. I have that I need filled yeah. by mm-hmm. doing this. And it makes me feel good. Yeah, it makes me feel good. And then now I can go check the box and pat myself on the back saying, look what a superstar Christian I am and look at what I've done when maybe God's not even in any of that. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, that's wild. It is. And, you know, being busy isn't the same as being fruitful. And a caterpillar can turn in a complete circle five billion times and think they've gone 10 miles and not moved one ounce. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> That's so good. And, it, and we have the incredible privilege of, of building the kingdom of God with him, through him, on earth here. Yeah. And so if we are wasting our time, we are not doing that. Mm. And there are things that he wants done. And he got... It's so sweet and wonderful to even want to use us mm-hmm. as the a part of his plan. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's the whole point, right? See, like partnership, mm-hmm. like God's looking for people yeah. to, to partner with, yeah. to advance the kingdom. So he, you know, even back in Genesis, I know Molly always laughs, laughs at me when I bring it up. Every podcast has come back to Genesis <laughs> in some I mean, way. He, he gave earth to man for man to steward, that mm-hmm. man would govern over the earth. And so... In other words, he, you know, God wants to bring his kingdom down here on earth, but he but he gave it he gave earth to us to steward. And so 
he designed it, and whether we think that's a good idea or not is a whole other subject, but he designed it that he wants to partner with us to bring his kingdom here on earth. And so if we're going to, if that's the system that God has designed, then then we have to walk in that, in that, and we have to constantly, you know, surrender ourselves to how he wants to do it, because it's probably, you know, nine times out of ten, it's going to be different than how we look, mm-hmm. uh, or sorry, different than how we think. Um, he's gonna, he should do it, or or what his ways are going to be, and so uh, he wants to partner with us, which is crazy to think about. I mean, you kind of hit it, yeah. you kind of referenced that a minute ago that. Well, like we're just these weak little humans that screw things up a lot, but still he wants to work with us. And he, he and he does that out of love and he does that, you know, out of, uh, he doesn't have to use us. Mm-hmm. He has all power and all authority. He could do anything a million different ways probably under his better. direction <laughs> and probably a lot faster than waiting for our little yes, you know? Yeah. Right. But he wants it. He wants our little yes. He wants our hard engagement in that. He wants to have the conversation that, that revolves around that. And it's because it's all about relationship. Right. The whole thing about following Jesus is about relationship. And you you can't have a one one way conversation in a relationship. It has no. to be two ways and and uh, you know, bending and flexing in the in the relationship. So yeah. yeah. And that's what we were talking about. The we went to a conference in Dallas um a few months ago, maybe a year ago, I don't know how long at this point. <laughs> But um, the one of the speakers there, he was talking about how God is so into the relationship uh-huh. that, you know, it's like a father who's building a treehouse for his son. And you have the little five-year-old son who, you know, then the father invites uh-huh. and says, hey, come help me build this treehouse. Mm-hmm. Even though the five-year-old is actually making it a lot harder. <laughs> I mean, the five-year-old poorly. is hitting the father's hand with the hammer. Yeah. The five-year-old can't lift anything. Like the five-year-old uh-huh. has no concept of what's going on. But the father has still invited the five-year-old because he wants that relationship, because he just likes being together and still wants to do the thing together. Mm -hmm. And that father would rather have that five-year-old there knowing that they are bonding and discovering things about each other in the whole process than to not and then Mm -hmm. to just to put up the treehouse and say, all right, now you go. Here here you are. Go play and that doesn't take any kind of conversation or any kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. But this is what the creator of the universe, and we're not building a tree house. We're watching him build his kingdom Mm -hmm. and he's letting us in on that. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, leaders of the church, come here. Leaders of the church, I want to do this with you. Not because I think that this is going to be efficient or that you're going to be any good at it. You a hundred percent have to rely on my vision for what the kingdom looks like on how I'm building it and on where I tell you to place things. And guess what? I'm actually going to do all of the heavy lifting because to me, you're a five-year-old and not all that. That's a good, that's a great analogy. I like that story. I do too. But then we get to, and that's the leadership. It's whenever we, Sally, what I'm hearing you say is it's whenever we get the soulish good works is suddenly when we lose that place of of my father has the better vision mm-hmm. and my father's the one directing the steps and I'm a five-year-old and I think that I can do this better. Right. Or, and actually I can tell you what I need, even though I can't even conceptualize 
the the vision the vastness of his plan we don't even know we can't so the soulish good works is going to be them we're like i think i need this so to feed me or to feed what i think this needs to look like or how i think this needs to go then what right then you have a bigger mess you do well and i want to be careful here because none of us are going to get it right all the time mm-hmm. yeah um and sometimes getting it wrong is a really great indicator for future success because you then know what it feels like to be doing it wrong there's a learning curve in that too, <laughs> but then at least you're moving right you can't yeah thing yeah god steers a moving ship a lot easier than a, a, a moored ship uh-huh. yeah um so, so then what does it look like Will you talk to us a little bit, then what does it look like, feel like, whenever you are in line with what the homeowner is doing or mm-hmm. with what the Holy Spirit's doing and not just in your flesh? Well, I think that when you're leading from a place of true identity, which is um, an acceptance of the fact that you don't know everything, but God has given you some knowledge, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, God gave us our intellect for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but he needs to initiate the plans. And I think that, um, you know, the acronym that we've been using is TOM, timing, order, and motive are a really Mm -hmm. good, uh, way of testing what our, um, whether or not we're living from a place of God focused Mm -hmm. orientation or, uh, self focused or other focused orientation, um, because if, if I'm waiting on the Lord, I know when he's giving me my marching orders that regardless of what I perceive the outcome to be, I have done in obedience what he's asked me to do. And once he gives me my marching orders, he says, oh, Sally, I know you love to knit. We're going to use that, that little <laughs> teeny bit of you. Yeah. And I get to use the gifts he's given me. Yeah. But it doesn't sound like I have a five-step plan to disciple the world. Now, Lord, bless it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. That's good. You know, it it just doesn't. Because as, as Sandy so wisely put, he attacks things from vastly different um, places, you know, or even looking at how Jesus uh, drew people to himself. It was crazy the many different tools he used. You know, yeah. Peter, he got with the fish lottery. You know, the woman at the well, he tells her everything she ever did wrong. Uh-huh. That would not be like his best method for getting my yes, but it got hers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, mud and mud on someone's yes, blind eyes. In somebody's eyes in the mud. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we just don't even we don't even know the vastness of his capacity. So. Um, looking at the timing and waiting is hard, but good. Mm -hmm. Um, and then are we ordering that soul, uh, spirit, soul, body properly? Mm -hmm. You know, can we check the things that we are doing and say, okay, um, am I doing this for me? Yeah. Or am I doing this for God? That's good. That's way good. Um, now the truth is, Doing what God tells us to do does feel good. So it's not like any pleasure is just sucked out of you right now wrong. 
but I think we do have a different sense. I like to I like to describe it as the difference between eating a really good nutritious meal and the energy you get from that as opposed to eating 10 pounds of M&Ms. nerds. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the energy is a little different and crashes and burns pretty quick, yeah. right? Um so we can we can look at our past successes, failures, we can weigh them with the Lord and say, oh gosh, Lord, and he's so kind to do this. He'll say, now, do you see how much of you was in that, Sally? Maybe we'll circle back and do it a different yeah. way, right? You get to, you get to um, take the test all over again. It's an open book test. It's an open book test, and there's one answer, right? <laughs> um, and so, and then always motive. Yeah. What's my motive? And a good way to check your motive is after you have committed and done the act, are you looking around for people's approval? Mm-hmm. Wow. Because I can tell you, it is really a clear indicator that uh, you're holding on to something tight for something that you need that isn't your true identity. Mm. That's so good. I know I know on um, in Jamie Winship's book, Living Fearless, which... We've done a whole entire podcast on that book because we love it here. It seriously has transformed us as a team. Uh, but I know that one of the things that he says is he was like, the difference between your ideas and God's ideas or that God's ideas transforms people. Yeah, way that's good. Like, that's so good. God's ideas actually shift things and moves things in the hearts of the people. And so your example, Sally, about the woman at the well or the eye, like he how he healed someone who was blind by spitting in his eyes or just the different ways that he does it. And then Sandy, back to your Exodus Mm -hmm. stories of like, he, they took the different cities with different methodologies every single time, every single time. And so what we're saying or what we're hearing is like the timing, God's timing has to be in line. And so you can't just go and do whatever you'll cause more harm Mm -hmm. than what, or you'll be shocked whenever nothing's happening. And it's because (laughs) Well, it wasn't the right time. Or you've wasted all that time and energy that it seems, it feels like you've wasted that time and energy. Yeah. You're doing it on your own. Mm-hmm. And then order. So everything in order as in inside of you. And then I also think then on outside of you. Right. So inside of you that you're following Jesus and not getting into soul. And then and also no chaos. No chaos. But then motives. Am I doing this to feed this insatiable need that I have to be approved or for fill in the blanks yes, for yeah. self-promotion mm-hmm. or self-protection? All those false identities. All the false identities. Of. Right. Which sometimes we, we've talked about it in the journey of restoration is about the desire will. Like, yeah. Um, and so like having that desire will as a reminder, like, why am I doing this again? Like, why did I do it that way instead of listening to what Jesus is telling me? What desire have I have I not given over to Jesus? Mm-hmm. And looking at that that desire wheel and just and recognizing and you know you may have to do that a million times. Oh yeah, to be honest and and but Jesus is okay with that as long as there's a learning curve in that you know. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, well, and you know, failure is a great traveling professor. You know. <laughs> <laughs> We all want to feel like we get so much better while we're being great, but Mm. 
the truth is God moves so mightily in our weakness Mm -hmm. and he's so kind and gentle because he alone knows the million different variables that go into those attachment gaps or problems or history or traumas that cause some of these behaviors. Yeah. And he would never condemn us for that. Mm -hmm. But he does say, I love you so much that I'm not willing to leave you there. Yeah. So all of our failures then become great diagnostic tools. And I have a very good friend who is so mature. And she said she's actually gotten to a place in life where when she screws up, she looks up and thanks God because he's revealing a place he wants to heal her. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. And that's, I think that's probably also the sign of a mature follower Mm -hmm. because to be unoffendable in that way of like, man, I missed it. And then to say, God, then what are you doing? Or will you reveal to me or correct me or help in whatever way that is like, rather than just getting offended or throwing in the towel or quitting early or just saying this didn't or work. Or sitting in the condemnation. or si- mm-hmm. Yeah, or sitting in it. The woe is me mm-hmm. and I guess I just don't do anything right. So I might as well not do anything right. ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds a little right. familiar. I think we've all done that, yes. Also, Sally, you're full of one-liners. We need a book of one-liners from Sally. What would you say? The professor? Traveling professor. Failure is the traveling professor. Failure is the traveling Mm -hmm. professor. That's so good. So then talk to us, I mean, on a personal level, like, where have you done this? Like, where have you seen your life if you've ever led from soulish good works? And then how did Jesus walk you out of that? And then what does it look like now to lead with, you know, from a place of identity? Well, I, you know, I really prayed about what what kind of to share about um, leading from a place of false identity. I mean, there are a lot of examples, so it's not like I was <laughs> like choosing between two. <laughs> Pick one. <laughs> Oh, but um, I I remember, and this is really specific, but I remember I had met with a woman, which is, you know, my job. I'm the head of women's ministry, and we'd had a wonderful conversation. And she'd given me some information, which didn't seem private when she gave it to me. And um, I shared that information with my daughter, who um, who knew the situation. And I didn't think anything of it, having a daughter that tells me literally everything. It mm-hmm. didn't occur to me that that information would be um, something this woman would be sad that I shared. And I woke up in the middle of the night, absolutely certain that I had made the biggest mistake ever and hurt her. And and it was true. I mean, he woke me up and I said, oh my gosh, Lord, I made a so mistake. So you're saying you were woken up from Jesus? Yes. Or, okay, Jesus gotcha. woke me up. <laughs> And I said, oh, my gosh, I made a mistake. And he said, yes, Sally, you made a mistake, but you are not a mistake. Mm. Oh, that's a good line. I like that. And then he said, can you see that if you go back and fix this the way I'm telling you to, that I will move more mightily in your mistake than you could move in your success? Wow. And that's the power of God right there. Right there. He has the ability to do that. I know. And he wants to. That's amazing. Because when you're humble and you say, I am so sorry, and I did not intend to hurt you, but I know I did, and it may take some time for us to rebuild trust, but I want to put the work in to do that, that says something to people 
because yeah. that's not how the world works always. Mm-hmm. People become defensive or people double down on the fact that they were, had a right to tell mm-hmm. something that someone told them. But, you know, um, this is the power of God at work in individual relationships. And so I learned, A, what my false identity was in that situation was um, that I was trying to fix it all. Yeah. And B, that I needed to take that to the one who can fix it all. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so I, I probably have too many of examples like that to <laughs> share uh, without really batting myself. But um, the truth is that if we can humbly look to Jesus and say, Lord, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to know? How do you want me to be? Then that models for other people a, a safety to mm-hmm. to kind of parse out and figure out what the Lord's saying to them, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then we all are marching towards Jesus together, linked arm in arm, which to me is the greatest definition of discipleship mm-hmm. because he's the, he is the goal. He is not only the goal, he is the power that gets us to the goal. Yeah. He's the initiator of the goal. He's on all sides of that equation and he does it perfectly. So, you know, yay God. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> he's not even just the goal, he's the prize. He is. Like uh-huh. he's the trophy at the end of it. He's what you get. Like he's the prize, he's the race, he's the starting gun. Like he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. The the way is the race. Mm-hmm. He is the race too. He's all of it. And if we mine for him in all of our circumstances, we only grow closer to him. We're going to screw up. Yeah. But God, mm-hmm. you know, he died to cover all of that. Mm-hmm. So. so even going back to, I mean, you had to have obviously the relationship with Jesus for him to even wake you up in the middle of the night mm-hmm. to correct you. Mm-hmm. So you've already like, it has to be Sandy. I think well, what you like, said that surrender. Cause you, in other words, you have to be open to his correction because right. a lot of people like, and Molly had kind of described it earlier. I mean, you can hear the correction and not be open to it and then get offended or sitting in the condemnation mm-hmm. and say, oh, that does it. I'm not doing this anymore. Or, you know, but right. you're open to that. Right. Because honestly, who doesn't want to, I mean, I say this to young moms all the time. No one gets out of bed saying, I want to screw up my kids. Mm -hmm. You know, people want, especially people in Christ, are wanting to find that peace and joy that he offers. And the only way to do that is to surrender our way. Mm -hmm. You know, our way is never going to be the way. Yeah. Um, And, you know, some of us need to hit rock bottom a little more hard in a harder way. Yeah. Like truth delivered with a two by four is <laughs> always the most helpful depending <laughs> on your personality type, you know? So. Yes. But that level of, I mean, whenever we talk about Christian leaders leading from a place of identity, that like the number one thing, like what I'm hearing is that one, you don't have to be perfect. So it's not about that perfection, but Sandy, like you said, it's cultivating that relationship. And being open to even having that relationship where Jesus can correct you. Mm-hmm. So I think when people hear like Christian leadership, they can be like, ah, what does that mean? Or that overwhelming. But like Sandy said in the beginning, like 
man, if we're followers of Jesus, we're all we're all leaders. We're all like leaders. we're all priests. Like mm-hmm. that's that's what we carry. Even the and especially I don't I don't want to say even I know I really think especially the mom at home with kids. Mm-hmm. To me, that's twenty four seven discipleship. Yeah, right it there. is. Oh yeah, all the time. Man. I mean, you're living in it. Yeah, and that as you're leading and as you're a Christian leader, leading from a place of identity, really all that is, is keeping everything in line with the Holy Spirit and falling more in love with Jesus and what he's doing and being correctable and teachable so that you can then in fact lead well. Right. And along the way, God will give you tests and you will fail and you will get redos (laughs) and you will try again and you'll get back up. But the danger, the only danger is whenever you quit. Right. Or if you quit. Right. That's absolutely well said. Mm -hmm. So do you guys have any final thoughts, Sally? I just am. uh, I've been so blessed by all of your podcasts. I feel like I really want to put a little plug in for y'all because (laughs) I am, you know, if anyone is listening to this because they're a friend of mine and hasn't actually mind all of the wisdom that's in all of your podcasts just kind of go on a 17 hour road trip and listen to them all back to back <laughs> thank you that's nice thank you yeah we Such love it mm-hmm. sandy any final thoughts for our listeners no i just love yeah i just love having you here sally and hearing you're my people. Your thoughts that's yeah. awesome no i think it's good yeah. So that's a little background. Sally's actually in town in Oklahoma. So No Boundaries is based out of Oklahoma City. And so she actually flew in with her team of seven. Mm-hmm. And they're here. Well, I drove. That's what I was going to oh, say. Oh, yeah. Like, I need a little, she, you know. She made the two-day two drive. Yeah. Sally did the two-day <laughs> drive listening to every <laughs> episode of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that was my reference. <laughs> and so, but her, she brought a team here for a little intensive, really getting like, where we're just all kind of pouring into each other. Yes. I mean, they're pouring into us. We're pouring into them. It's been really fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. we get to see your your amazing ministry to your marginalized friends in Oklahoma City, and it's just such a picture of the kingdom of God coming together, um, loving people well. Mm-hmm. So it's been a, I mean, that'll be another podcast maybe about <laughs> the amazing transformative experience it's been to be with y'all for a week. Wow. Or as I say, seven years. Because I think I've been <laughs> it seven, feels years like it's seven years. One day is like a thousand years. <laughs> and for us on this side, like what your team carries and what you've brought and imparted into the Oklahoma City team here is just as impactful and is just has been just as transformative. Mm-hmm. And that's just Thank real. You. Thank you. That's and it's so much my pleasure and so much fun. And so what I'm hearing then is even in that like that you could have two separate organizations or two separate groups of people that are united in Jesus in leadership um, roles, even like a, you know, throughout the church that can come together like this, Mm -hmm. like talk about identity and leadership. Like it shouldn't work like that by the world standards that people that we don't know that we could get along and come together to advance the gospel because we really have the same goal of Jesus being our homeowner mm-hmm. and of Jesus leading and guiding and directing every single thing that we do. Right. So right. with that in mind, then really what I'm hearing is that if, if you're someone and you're listening and you feel that call into leadership or you know that you're a follower of Jesus, 
and you're like, how does this look? Or what does this look like? Or you have that antsy feeling of there has to be something more and there's got to be more for me. And I'm called to do uh, more things in the kingdom of heaven. And I just can't quite figure out the timing or the order. And I don't really know if my motive is even correct, that if you would just take a second and take a step back from all of it and ask Jesus where he is to just take in a deep breath, and just press into how he's leading you and press into where he has you. And then just ask him those questions of what does he want you to know right now? What does he want you to do right now? And then it all comes back to surrender. And if there's anything that you've missed it or that you've failed in, that there's no condemnation, but that you can get right back up and keep going. Because you're called to lead. If you're following Jesus, you're called to be a leader. And you're called to lead from a place of true identity, of knowing who you are and knowing what you offer. And so press into that. Ask him what you carry. Ask him what your gifts are. And then take whatever he shows you and whatever's in your hands and then just offer it back unto him. Like the very beginning of this episode, We talked about that everything that we offer back to him is an act of worship, that our lives are offered up as an act of worship so that he might be glorified. And that quote that the glory of God is man fully alive, is man fully alive, which reminds me, I'll just end with this scripture that I'm thinking of literally right now in Second Thessalonians chapter one. And it's at the very end. This is in the Passion Translation, 2 Thessalonians, verse 1, 11, and 12. It says, With this in mind, we constantly pray that our God will empower you to live worthy of all that he has invited you to experience. And we pray that by his power, all the pleasures of goodness and all works inspired by faith would fill you completely. By doing this, the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you, and you will be glorified in him by the marvelous grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we just stand and we pray that over every single listener, that God will empower you to live worthy of all that he's invited you to experience. And with that comes failures and testing and trials and persecution and suffering. But whenever he's doing that, if you can see that he's creating something inside of you, that he's calling you to a life worthy of all that he's invited you to experience, that's all of those things are. And then whenever you get it, that by his that his power and the pleasures of goodness and all of the works that you do from that place of, of identity and worthy to do will be filled, inspired by faith and that they'll fill you completely. And that's going to be the most fulfilling thing is doing exactly what you're called to do based on who you're created to do. And in that God gets all the glory and he's glorified in you. So We just release that over every listener in Jesus' name. Thank you, Sally. Thank you. Thanks, Sandy. Sure.